From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 188, and today I'm joined by actor David Tampa. He's been a staple in my films, such as Sex After Kids and the untitled work of Paul Chappard. But you can also see him more recently in stuff like The Handmaid's Tale, Fahrenheit 451, and episodes of Odd Squad. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. So we're sitting down uh, via isolation, and we're watching El Mariachi. I'm Jeremy, and I... I'm almost entirely certain I have not seen this film. If I have, it's in small snippets, but I know a lot about it. I've seen like the sequel, the unofficial sequels, and I've read uh, Rodriguez's book about it called um, Rebel Without a Crew. Wow. I know. So I'm Dave Tampa. I, I know way less than that. I know this is great. I, I, I think I know that this is the movie that, that kind of made Robert Rodriguez and Antonio Banderas, I thought, but. Um, maybe he's not even in it. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. I, yeah, I, I, like the image I have is an Antonio Banderas with long hair and a guitar case walking away from an explosion. That sounds right. I don't know if that's. But this I'm not. Movie. Gonna, I'm not going to. I'm, I'm not going to confirm. Or de- I do know the answer to that, and I won't confirm or deny it just yet. Okay, so so I really know nothing. I I mean I I assume it's in Spanish, but I don't actually know. Um, I, I, of course, know of the film, but I don't know even, you know, in my head, it's like a, some, a cross between a Western and a uh, mob movie. <laughs> but I don't, know, I don't know anything about it. Have you seen um, Desperado or? No. Okay. So you haven't seen I, any? I've seen uh, From Dust Till Dawn. Wasn't that Robert Rodriguez? Or was That's it Robert not? Rodriguez, yeah. That's yeah that so, was his... Uh, collaboration with tarantino tarantino wrote yeah it. yeah so that's that's the only thing i know that i've seen by robert rodriguez and uh, antonio banderas if he's in it <laughs> i've seen him in lots of course but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh <laughs> so you haven't you haven't seen much robert rodriguez then i don't i don't think so unless i unless i've seen stuff i didn't and i didn't know it was him yeah i'm trying to think like the faculty was a movie he made uh the spy kids movies um, no i haven't seen them uh, a bunch of stuff. I purposely uh, didn't look anything up. So that's that okay. That's be, good. Because I knew this was about as black as my holes get. Oh, good. Well, it's good because back when you and I were originally going to watch this right before uh, the pandemic hit. <laughs> I did have the flu or something. You which, did. You were Yeah. You were like, which, oh, we're, we're rescheduling two weeks when you're feeling better. And then <laughs> the world shut down. Yeah. Not, not that we couldn't have done it. I mean, I, but no one was used to Zoom yet or anything. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And I've been doing this now. This, this is the new normal for me as well. So I'll, I'll be looking forward to at some point watching movies in person with people again, because that was kind of the impetus of the podcast for me. But 
this is lovely too. Cause what's nice about this is I get to do it with friends that are much further away than Toronto. Well, exactly. It's, it doesn't matter if the person is like three blocks away or in another country. Yeah. You can and talk so to them basically the same. So it's opened up the, uh, the podcast in that way in a nice way. Well, but, um, but what was, what's kind of good is that a, I had timed it. So I just finished writing, reading the book and then I was going to watch it with you. So I would have been fresh full of all that information. Right. So I'm kind of glad that it's been six months or whatever since we were supposed to watch it because now a lot of that stuff, hopefully the, the important parts of it will come back, but then I'll just be able to kind of react to the movie fresh too and not have, not remember all the little details of the book. The, the book was, is the story like, is it's the basically, movie? no, it's his journal that he was, uh, that he was keeping uh, throughout the course of making, like leading up to making the movie, making it. And then what happened after. Right. Okay. Uh, it's cool. really cool. It's really interesting. You'd get a, a kick out of it. You can uh, yeah, get, check that out. You can get I, it out I don't, of the library. I often don't like that kind of a book, except that maybe I do. I, I've read the Carrie Elwes' uh, Princess Bride book. And that was, except that he like gushes yeah, about everyone the whole time. It was actually really interesting. And this isn't books. that at all. Like that's written as a memoir. Right. This, yeah. this is just written like, this is just his diary that he later on published. So oh, it's, it's very um, off the cuff and not like looking to protect anyone or anything. Right. Uh, so if someone screwed him over during that process, he talks about it the way he would write in his journal. Right, right. Venting. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's interesting. Um, also, the uh, there's a couple that are like this. Soderbergh has a good one that's with the Criterion release of um, Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Oh. And, and Spike Lee... Has has a journal that comes along with "Do the Right Thing," oh, which wow. was which was really fascinating. Yeah, I bet that would be amazing. Because he talks about ri- the writing process too inside of that. Because um, it was like it crosses over school days was being released, and he was doing publicity for that while he was gearing up to do uh, "Do the Right Thing." It's interesting. Huh. Cool. Yeah, I I love those kind of things when they're, when they're not. Like I like the Carrie Elway's book. I read that too, but it was just like a fluff piece in a yeah, lot of ways. Yeah, it was ways. very fluffy. It was lovely and fluffy. <laughs> yeah, but it but was I, very fluffy. But I like the ones where it's like there's a little bit of meat on the bones. And well, uh, that I mean, that a journal like that would be yeah, really interesting, probably. Yeah, because they're not writing it; they're just keeping it on the side. And then I, I would try to keep a journal off and on for years, and I just don't have the habit for it. No, I don't like I don't like writing anything. Like even emails, people make fun of my emails and texts because they're incredibly short and to the point. Yeah, I, yeah, can't do Respe- it. I respect that. Uh, so yeah, so you're going into this knowing very, very little. Yeah, I know not. I know nothing. I I, I, I I may even know negative information. That's good. That's okay. Yeah. So yeah. I'm excited. So why don't we dive in and then we'll come back and fill in the holes. Yeah, I'm, I, it sounds like I might have to take care of a little meltdown first, uh, but then, uh, yeah, we're good. Take down of a child meltdown, and then we'll take down El Mariachi. Amazing. All right. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. And we just finished. Yes. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you had the gangster musician thing, right? Uh, I said Western, but yeah, so sort of, I mean, Western, I mean, not really, but a genre sort of. And I'd game, say yeah. you could call it like Western adjacent. Sure. Yeah. Western adjacent and, and gangster related. I mean, I guess by gangster, I, what I meant was cartel or something, which it's not really clear what 
the, Mo- what the Moco? one guy was, Well, Moco, she did say drug, drug something at some point. Yeah, so that's cartel. Yeah, that's cartel. But the other guy that were, was working out of that prison, I don't, I don't really. I mean, the whole thing was pretty funny. <laughs> I love the the woman that worked for the prison that was taking money from both sides. Yeah, that was definitely a statement on the police in uh, in Mexico. I think. Yeah, she doesn't care. She'll let the men to kill him. She'll also let... But apparently he was... I, I, I was under the impression she was well aware that he was going to be fine, though. It's like, clearly he decided to be in prison because he just kind of left whenever he wanted to. Yeah, the locks weren't done up or anything. No. I, it's unclear whether that was... You know, she might have just been a guard. Like, it wasn't actually a prison at all. I guess she was turning the lights off and then he, he turned them back on. It, it was, I mean, a lot of, there are a lot of things where I had questions about what was going on. It wasn't super clear all the time what was happening in terms of like uh, the minutia of the story. The overall story is pretty obvious, but the, but the minutia of the story, like the way that he's telling the story with shots sometimes confused me. Yeah. Well, I think it's the nature of how it was made. Um in what way? Well, I'll get into it. But before that, like, generally, did you enjoy it at all? Did you? Um, I I didn't super love it. I I, I mean, I mean, by the end of it, I didn't have a bad taste in my mouth or anything. It like yeah. it was like it's a little bit. It's a little bit something. Is a little bit satisfying. Yeah. Uh, despite all these flaws that I'm seeing the whole way through. Yeah, it's fascinating because, I mean, now this is what, it's, that was made in 94, I want to say, 92? It's 92, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, we're now 30, almost 30 years later, uh, and, you know, a, a film like this wouldn't have broken through, I don't think, the way his did at the time, but this is at the beginning of, like, the independent explosion, you know, this is... It comes out the same year Reservoir Dogs does, and that's why him and Tarantino become pals because they're they're doing festivals at the same time. Right. Um, but how this was made was Robert Rodriguez, um, kind of famously, uh, he was broke at the time and wanted to make, just wanted to start playing around and messing around with movies. And so he put himself in one of those drug trials for like $100 a day for 30 days. He made $3,000. And then found someone to match it and made this film for about seven grand. That um, makes sense based on how it looks. I mean, yeah. And but it's said, also impressive. Yeah. And he also said the only reason it cost that was because of the film stock and blowing up. Other than that, it would have been only 600 You know, because wow. everyone was in it just for free. I don't know where he got all the weapons. <laughs> That's the terrifying thing for me. Uh, so yeah. he, he did these jokes. He did everything on the, on the, on the film. There was no sound equipment. They dubbed it all after, like kind of like the old Italian oh, films. That That's makes, why it's there's also a couple couple times I thought that someone was getting dubbed, but I didn't realize it was everything. Everyone, everyone was being dubbed because they didn't. They're like they thought they could move faster, and that way also he only did one take of every shot. Oh, jeez! Because okay. and that way he knew he could work on performance in 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 uh, in ADR. Uh, well, and if, the, yeah, I guess. A bit. And if and if an actor screwed up the lines, he just made sure he had a cutaway to something else, so he wouldn't nice. have to reshoot that part of the take. So when when you when you look at it through those lenses and realizing all the limitations he had, yeah, it's pretty it's, impressive. 
Especially the action sequences, really. Like, he's doing all of that himself. Well, and it makes sense based on the movies he makes later that, like, that it's action-heavy what he does, or it seems yeah. to be, anyway. But it was, it, yeah, there are a lot of strange... I guess he was experimenting still with how to shoot things because a lot of strange angles, a lot oh, of jump cuts. The uh, Yeah, I think that's just the nature of they didn't have a cutaway for that scene. <laughs> but and also the speed ramping in some of those scenes, like whenever that, the guy oh, that owned the most... Yeah, that was great. I mean, I, li- I love the way that he used that for comedy. Yeah. Because normally you just see him reach for the phone and then you cut, but they do the speed dial. and That killed me every time the, the guy that owned the hotel called Moko. Yeah, yeah it was very um, funny. It's interesting because it did have this weird, like, that worked, but then there's other moments where he was obviously going for, like, a big laugh that kind of just, like, fell with a thud for me. Yeah. Um, like, the my, keyboard setup made me laugh sort of <laughs> awkwardly. but Yeah, the keyboard thing was just like, is this supposed, it's, it's funny because it's bad. Yeah, it's. I don't think it's funny for the reason he thinks it's funny. Well, the the fact that he sped it up and shows us the whole setup of the keyboard makes me think that he definitely was going for comedy there. Yeah, 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 yeah. But just um, and it's just the hot yeah. keys, like all those old keys we all play with as kids. It was just yeah. it made me think of my my childhood. the The bathtub scene we didn't quite land. I think the way he, because it was supposed to be romantic and sexy, but also funny. It was like, he was going for so many different tones in that scene. It yeah. didn't, it was weird. I, I didn't see. I thought she was a very good actor and that's about it in terms of actors. I thought she did a great job. And so her side of the scene, I thought worked pretty well. The guy that played the mariachi wasn't fantastic at all. <laughs> No, and apparently I it wasn't think the worst. But he met he was in the drug trial as well with with Rodriguez when they <laughs> decided to do this. And the thing is, Rodriguez intended this just to be like a practice film, right? He, he wanted to make this to to take it to like the because he saw like a hole in the Mexican uh, VHS market, mm-hmm. and so he was like, if I can make this for seven grand, I can show it to them as a test reel. I can get them. I can get a hundred grand from them to make more movies, right? But then what happened when he took this around uh, and for a while it just landed with a thud. Nobody wanted it. It wasn't interesting to anybody, but then I think he got it into Sundance and then it exploded. Right. Uh, and over and then Columbia pictures picked it up. Uh, yeah. I was, Cause I saw Columbia. I was like, <laughs> Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. It was, an, it was an acquisition and it was an acquisition. And then they put a bunch, then they, then they went in and redid all the sound and a bunch of, other, and put out, you know, a hundred grand of money into like the you know finishing the film properly i think so right. who knows what the actual seven thousand dollar version looks like this is a slightly more polished version i think but not necessarily in editing because he edited it all on like two vhs's this two vcrs this is the polished version <laughs> well sound wise so who yeah, knows sure. i think Almost they might have went nightmare. in there yeah but um, anyway, so when you look at it in the context of how it was made, it's, it's pretty insane. Uh, the movie itself, for me, it's like, I, I think I, I definitely seen like little clips here and there. Um, think of the action sequences. And I knew a lot of the stories of the people because of, uh, because of reading the book. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad I watched it now because I have <laughs> seen the, like, the sequel. The Desperado is an unofficial sequel and that's Antero Banderas. And that's where you're getting that. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I realized that. So in, well, I mean, five minutes in. Yeah. In theory, um, 
you know, you weren't wrong. He just becomes the mariachi in, in the later movies. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then they so, made another So I was one. thinking of the right thing, but but the uh, what's it called Desperado is... Desperado, is, and then there's a third one called Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Oh, yeah. Okay. I've heard of which that. Which has too. like Johnny Depp and Salma Hayek and... Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, but they're very, you know, amped up, much, much bigger movies that he and, made. And... and do you know if you know were the shots better? Was the was the storytelling better? Was the oh, night and day? So what? So what happened between this movie? I mean, money. This was really meant to be an experiment. It's really just money because he's he's choosing shots that are like weird shots. He's still his own DP to this day. He he his own DOP. He shoots his own stuff. So is he, it he's doing the same shots but with the proper setup to make that shot happen instead of the wrong camera for this kind of weird up angles. He's doing like at the beginning it's all these weird up angle like shooting from below shots and Yeah, I mean he's still doing that kind of stuff but it's just more nuanced and he's probably using the right lenses now. Yeah. You know, uh, and that kind of stuff like he probably I think he only had one or two lenses on this movie. Does he do and, a lot of POV cuz there's a ton of POV like from the I don't the dog's think so. POV and that's think all weird. <laughs> I think he got a lot of those bad filmmakers things out of his system with this movie right yeah it definitely like all this later work after this definitely looks more like traditional filmmaking in terms of like professional like it looks good yeah, yeah. Uh, even though he's not necessarily working with a dop besides himself maybe he did for the first he did he's definitely shooting his own stuff now i can't i'd have to look up to see if he was shooting uh the the immediate work that followed Followed this. I'm going to double check what he did next. I don't think Desperado was the next thing he did. I feel like he made a movie because he got very quickly like this is like, again, the, the birth of like the independent cinema. And as soon as like this movie hit, he became like a Hollywood it boy for a bit. Um, and seems to have not. I wouldn't say he's cooled down, but he's definitely. Um, I haven't sought him out or, you know, like I, like I said, the last thing I know for sure he directed was from Dust Till Dawn. And that was a long oh, time ago. Oh, yeah. He's, I mean, he did that Alita movie, um, Battle Angel, that came out a year before. Uh, yeah, don't care. He's producing a lot of stuff. He did the Sin City movies. Oh, oh, uh, directed? Yep. Oh, weird. Okay. Yeah. And those definitely, I mean, those ones are very reminiscent of the comic books. So it, it's hard to say that all the angles there, he's, he's, you know, doing the Frank Miller stuff. He got, yeah. he, he technically co-directed it with Frank Miller and he quit the DGA to be able to do that because they wouldn't let Frank Miller co-direct the movie because he's not a member. And so right. Rodriguez quit. Hi, interesting. And was like, well, then now I can make the movie and you can't say shit. Uh, was it? No. Is he back in or is he still quit? I, I don't know at this point. I think it looks like it was. Yeah, I guess he did do um, Desperado next. Hmm. And then Dust Dawn was his third film after that. He did, they did Four Rooms, that anthology movie with Tarantino. Yeah, I saw that. I did not care for that, really. The, the Bellhop one was interesting, but... Yeah. Or not... No, uh, the, one, the, the final one was sort of interesting. Oh, where, the one with the thumb one where they had to cut the thumb yeah, off? That's, that's yeah. Tarantino's. His is the one yeah. with the kids. Um, the kids... Is that with the prostitute and under the mattress? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, I barely didn't. remember it. Except that there was a prostitute under the mattress, which is crazy. 
So yeah, so he did like did that, did the Spy Kids movies. Um, then he did a bunch of like he was part of the like, Grindhouse thing that Tarantino did. He did a movie called Planet Terror that was a Grindhouse movie, and then he did another one called Machete. Uh, and oh, uh, with and uh, Danny, Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo, yeah. Trejo, yeah. And then the uh, fun, yeah, I didn't see that. And then the the Sin City ones. He's an interesting guy. Uh, the stuff he does definitely has a. Um, a tone to it. And then just recently, and I don't don't think it's been released. I know that Tubi picked it up, but he did a movie called Red Eleven, which he did for seven thousand dollars again. Oh, wow. Uh just and he did it at the same time he was doing this uh Alita, you know, the most expensive movie of his career. Right. Uh and, and it's about somebody in a drug trial. So it's like he went back and tell the story of what he did, and it's but he kind of made it the way he made this movie, where it was just like just him up do most of the, the jobs. Uh, and wow. so, so I was, I'd be, I, I've been trying to seek it out to watch it. Cause I'm curious to see what the filmmaker he's become can do now with $7,000. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'd be curious to see that too. Um, Cause I'm guessing it's going to be very different from this one. Yeah. Performances will probably be a, a tinge better. Uh, although he's working with all non-professionals too, just like he was then. Um, so then they won't be good. It's interesting. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm assuming he's able to do more than one take because he's probably working digitally. True. He was definitely one of the first people that co-opted the digital uh, the digital format. What's really cool about Rodriguez and what I really respect in him as a filmmaker is that um, on all of his like DVDs, and, and, and I think he, a lot of them are online too if you search them out, is he's really one of those DIY guys. And yeah. so he's always been like a guy that, you know, he writes it, he does his own composing, he edits his own movies, wow. shoots them, you know, it's kind of a one man crew in a lot of ways, although he does collaborate with others. But what he does, he does these really cool 10 minute film schools on all of his DVDs of his movies. Oh, weird. And does, and, and like the Sin City one's really cool because it's all about visual effects. And, and, how, and he's like, you can do this from home. And it's just, he's, he really gives back in that way. Uh, yeah. and, and is an inspiring guy to watch, despite what you think of him as a filmmaker. Right. He's definitely one of those people that is uh, really, really, it, it's, it's someone that I would encourage other filmmakers to seek, young filmmakers to seek out and just in terms of those kind of things. Yeah, I think sure. there's, and there's a lot to learn to, from him from that. And just his pure drive and initiative that he had to, to do this. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very admirable for sure. It's too bad um, I don't love his stuff. <laughs> no, but also it's like this movie, if this had come out now as an indie film that was made for seven grand, it would disappear. It wouldn't have done any business at all. No, it's, it's not. I mean, it, it now it kind of comes across as a pretty good student film or something like that. You know, like, yeah, exactly. Um, it, uh, the action sequences are interesting, but also he would have, you know, he wouldn't be shooting on film. Probably he'd be, no, shooting, sure he'd be shooting on an iPhone. Yeah, and and be doing as many takes as he wanted to because it all it's, it's just hard drive space at that point. Yeah, but he'd still be. I mean, even if he had an iPhone, he'd still be unless he like was watching it as he was filming it or something, and and being like, oh, that that crazy shot from below that I'm keep using isn't working. You know, <laughs> I, I should change that. That's just it. Yeah, that's where I'm curious to know more about because apparently there's a doc series that goes along with that Red Eleven about like like a film school documentary. He did a full length thing as opposed to these ten minute little segments. Oh, cool. Uh, I don't. I'm just curious to to check those out, but it doesn't seem like it's landed on Tubi just yet. 
So that's something that you just heard about recently that he did very recently. That, because I, Alita I, was a while ago, wasn't it? Yeah, Alita came out in 2019. Um, oh, not that long ago. No, just last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, this was announced last year that it was going to be on at the beginning of it was announced at Sundance last year before everything went to hell. Uh, that I think Red Eleven might have even been there, but the two B deal got announced there. But it hasn't come out since. It said it was supposed to come out on two B this summer, but I mm-hmm. haven't seen it there. Uh, and I remember I was because re- it was when we were about to watch the movie, and I was reading the book finally that I I had heard about it. I was just googling about it for some reason, and that came right. up. So it is yet to surface. I even email uh, tweeted to be today to be like, Hey, is this movie coming out at any point in time? <laughs> but no response yet. No, you can't even like rent it on iTunes or anything like that yet. So we'll see. I'm, it exists. He made it. So, and, and to did apparently did some kind of a deal. So uh, it, it, huh. it should be coming out at some point. I'm definitely going to check it out when it does. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Any other thoughts on on uh, El Mariachi? What, what's your favorite like low budget indie film? Is, does Reservoir Dogs count? How sure. long is that? Oh, look, I mean Reservoir Dogs was in the million range, but you know. But well, uh, Looper. Looper is not. Wait, sorry, brick. not Looper. Brick. No, I'm not thinking of Brick. I'm thinking of Primer. Uh, no, Primer. Looper. Uh, uh, fuck. Primer. Yes. Yeah, Primer. Primer. <laughs> the Looper, the uh, the Bruce Willis. Uh, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Where they had both Bruce, Bruce Willis and Gordon Levitt Green. Jordan and Edgar. Paul Dano. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just, just, just Gordon Levitt. Um, <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, David Gordon Green is the director. You're uh, uh, yeah, Primer. Primer. Yeah, Primer's made was, for around the same. Like that's a, I think that was like a $5,000 movie. Yeah, I think 5000 Yeah, and and that was... I found that one fascinating. Um it, like tra- treating time travel as like if it could actually happen. Like, what's the real version of this? What's the the realistic version of time travel? Yeah, it's the smartest time travel movie that exists. Yeah, well, yeah. and I and I uh, heard an interview with the director and creator, and, and he said that um, the goal was that thirty percent of the audience would understand what was going on. Yeah. Well, they kind of treated it the way like, you know, modern audiences watch a Shakespeare movie where they're not necessarily understanding the dialogue, but they understand the intention behind it. And, and it's enough to follow the story. So for right. them, the, the, the stuff that's going on in terms of dialogue is gobbledygook, but it doesn't matter because the, you believe it feels so authentic. Yeah, you don't need well, to know what all this shit means. Well, that guy's bad because he's scared, you know. <laughs> Yeah, that's all. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Some something's happening, and they're time traveling, and now there's more than one. And he, yeah. yeah, that's a, that was a big inf- inspiration for Jonas and I. We made our time travel movie two years ago. Oh, was it? Uh, well, it, it's the time travel movie that scared Jonas off from ever wanting to make a time travel movie because he's like, <laughs> "I'll never make something as good as that." But then when we started talking about our project. I was like, "It doesn't have to be like your ours would be very different from that." Yeah, we're not sure. we're not making that thing for sure. That guy's an engineer, former engineer or something. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, but I loved, I remember seeing that back when it was in the rep cinemas uh, when it first came out and just being kind of in awe of it. But I, ha- I want to go back and revisit it because I haven't seen it in a long time. But I saw it at the Carlton. Yeah. Like I, I saw it at the Ossington or something, one of those theaters. Oh, yeah. Okay. 
when the second run theaters in Toronto that used to be around, some of them are still here. I'm trying to think of other like indie, indie uh, features. Do you, do you know, do you have any up your sleeve there that, uh, I mean, there's all the Duplass brothers stuff. Oh yeah. I liked which one was uh batteries not included. I guess they're getting pretty big budget by that point. Batteries not included. Oh, not your, your, your not titles included. are, I'm horrible with titles, I guess. Uh, and lyrics for music. I, I have no idea about lyrics for music. So uh, it's it's uh, safety not guaranteed. Safety not guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So same thing. Something not something. <laughs> yeah, that that's a great one. Well, that's that, I mean that was made for seven hundred thousand, but that was made by um, you know his his movie after that was Jurassic World. <laughs> he went from that, Duplass to Jurassic World. No, no, no. The the filmmaker Colin Trevorrow was the director oh, of Safety okay. Not Guaranteed. Okay. But that that's that's what happens in the states when you have a hit independent film. You can go from like a seven hundred thousand dollar movie to like one of the biggest summer blockbusters in the next movie. Yeah. And then, and then he was originally supposed to do Episode Nine of Star Wars. Wow. And then that was gonna be his third feature. Jesus. Where here here in Canada, if you make like a solid independent feature, they let you make one of the slightly higher budget. Yeah, I was I was gonna say if you make one, then they'll consider letting you make another one. In a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, for, for basically the same thing. Yeah, or less. Uh, that's because that's it's government. It's all, it's all private funding down there, isn't it? They, they don't have government. Oh, yeah. No, so, so they, they have a studio system. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, true. There's yeah, we, we, we do not. Um, no. But yeah, so there's that. Yeah, the Duplass ones are more like... I was thinking of like... Um, Comfy couch? The puffy chair. Puffy, puffy chair. chair. Whatever. No, that's okay. Uh, but even <laughs> like... Um, not Memento. That was his second film, but he made the following was Christopher Nolan's first film. Oh yeah. Which one's following? Uh, I've it, seen it, but um, I'm trying to think what it's about again. I, I've only seen it once. I didn't love it, but I, it was one of those things I could see why it, it made him jump out. I mean, there's other yeah, stuff. There's like, it's the same with bottle rocket that a lot of people like, I didn't really like bottle rocket, but Rushmore is amazing. Yeah, I, there's parts of Bottle Rocket that I'm, are so endearing for me, but it's not. It you're just starting to see the beginning of uh, yeah, exactly of him. Uh, but like stuff like I mean, there's a lot of horror stuff like Blair e- Witch, uh, Evil Dead, the original Evil Dead, Evil Dead, Paranormal Activity, and Blair Witch Project are all these dirt cheap movies that were yeah. Made. So Paranormal Activity I found very effective. <laughs> yeah. Blair Witch, Blair Witch. I mostly the beginning was great, the end was great, the middle was horrible. For me. Yeah. But yeah, paranormal activity messed me up the uh yeah. first time. Yeah, that that whole sequence, the first sequence where it's like fast forwarding through the night and she's just standing there rocking a little bit, standing over the bed. Yeah. Ugh, yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah, that kind of stuff is terrifying. Um I was at my my girlfriend's house at the time after we watched that. And she has a cat that is up all night running around the house making noises. That was a bad setup for me. <laughs> uh, Halloween was pretty low budget at the time. There oh, yeah. The Halloween is like yeah. 300 grand. Uh, Clerks, obviously, Kevin Smith's career came out of the, the super low budget. <sighs> I really like it. The original Mad Max. The original Mad Max is pretty good, but it's not. I mean, if you have only seen other ones, it's not anything close to the other ones. Yeah. Um, it's a well, drama, pretty, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Napoleon Dynamite was... Um, How low is that? 
400,000. That's impressive. Yeah. I mean, I uh, guess it's just a bunch of guys hanging around, <laughs> but, uh, it's, but, but like it, it's a big action thing. But. No. And it looks, it looks great. Once the movie once that was lovely. Yeah. Yeah. That was that, fantastic. And what's really interesting is you don't see a lot of movies in that genre do, do that really, really well. What's that genre? Well, just like a love story, like with no actors. Right. It's different when you have like a big hook. You know yeah. what I mean? But And that movie, it had the music element to it. Well, absolutely. I mean, that's it was really a musical when it comes down to it. And and he's brilliant. And that opening where he's just singing with a slow push on him. And yeah. It's phenomenal. It's so good. Uh, and there's Swingers is another big one. Swingers is fun. Uh I love that the that where you're calling like six times in a row and leaving the message on the that, machine. That that's one of my favorite scenes of all time. <sighs> yeah, me too. So so perfect. It's, it's so, so wonderful perfect. and painful, and there's just so yeah. much good good stuff going on inside that movie. The relationship between all the guys is so interesting. Yeah. Um, the music. There's some fun. That was like the either either birthing or capitalizing on the swing. Remember the swing boom came, yeah, yeah. came back? And- yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of on the heels of it, but it's the kind of thing that oh, was I think, it? Okay. Well, it was around the time because it wasn't like so they, they, they brought it back. It was capitalizing on it, but I think what, because Swingers was such a big movie when it came out, it was like a big heat, indie hit that I think it like, it spun it into a bigger thing even. Right. And then it was capitalizing on it because it was already happening. But, uh, but I mean, I, I did the, the Swingers tour of LA when I went. Oh, you know? did you? <laughs> yeah, I went to like the Brown Derby and, and those kind of places and saw <laughs> Morty and Elaine play and, and those kind of things. Uh, just because I wanted, and I'm sure that's why they get people to come out to those places though, because they saw Swingers. Yeah, exactly. 20, 20 years ago or however, however long ago it is now. Just like Cheers. You see the outside of Cheers. You're like, it's Cheers. And then you go inside, you're like, this is not Cheers. Yeah, this is not the studio. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Where's Norm's it's seat? Yeah, it's all funny. wrong. Oh, bullshit. <laughs> any, any final thoughts on El Mariachi? Are you, are you going to seek out Desperado now? Are you curious? No, I'm not, I'm not going to seek out Desperado. If, if I'm going to seek something out, it would be the one you're talking about, Red, Red 11. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be much more curious to see that than, than, you know, like Evil Dead, and then he did Evil Dead 2 with money, and, and I, I don't want to do the same thing with this one. I don't really... I didn't really care for that. I much preferred Army of Darkness. There's a lot of like hardcore people that hate me right now, but Army of Darkness is so much fun. I think there's a and lot not of annoying. People, no, and I think there's a lot of people that are in the same camp where it's like because there's a interesting progression of tone with those three movies in particular. Where yes. I think Army of Darkness, he finally knows what the tone of those movies is. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, the the first one was too much point of view camera going cuckoo and the uh, second one was so ridiculous and campy the second one he needed to do to get to the third one i think though yeah well and that's what i mean that's what is sort of interesting about watching these things is to see like see the creation of it but like i don't want to do that for every movie i see no and and like every director i like is go back and see all of the things that led to that no and army where i where i love doing that but it's a but army of darkness (laughs) Is is stands alone nicely because he basically recaps the first two movies beautifully in the opening. You don't, yeah. you don't. That's all you need. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and he's like you said, he's found his comedic tone perfectly. Yeah, 
Uh, and the remake, I thought the remake was pretty decent, actually. The remake, so the so I like horror films to a point. I don't like when they get that sadistic. Mm. You know, I much prefer something like Scream or um, what was that Joss Whedon? Was it Joss Whedon? Cabin in the Woods? Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. That was, um, he was part of it. He didn't direct it though. It was, um, okay. but yeah, he was, he was uh, part of it. Kevin Lewis yeah. is fantastic. Or if I want something that's scary without a lot of humor, then I'd much prefer a psychological thriller to to these kind of more sadistic ones, the gore, gore fest. It's not really like gore when it's sort of campy, it can be fun. But for me, gore, when it's done gritty, is just, it's just too much. It's like watching the remake of Tame, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's like, this is horrible. This is just horrible. I don't want to watch any of this. It's just horrible people seriously doing horrible stuff to each other. And there's no like fun. There's no release moment. There's no, yeah. you know, and, and, and I, I see, I love that. I, not just this constant sadistic killing. And yeah. I'm that, I'm that way with, yeah. Like the, um, there's, you ever see the movie called the strangers? No. Oh, I know what you're talking about. They're, home, they're outside. It's a home invasion movie and it's one of, it's my it's the movie that i find one of the scariest because for me i'm just like there's nothing scarier for me than someone that wants to break into my house and hurt me and i've done nothing wrong right right like it's not right. like i committed some kind of sin to bring this person upon my door and i deserve what i'm going through right and that's what terrifies me about that movie like that where i'm like you can't reason with these people they just want to hurt you because they're crazy so everyone's got their things that they're terrified of. Mine is like a dystopian future kind of thing. So like when I watch 28 Days Later, 28 Days Later, yeah. that's the one, right? Not 28 Days, that's the Sandra Bullock one. There's, yeah, well, there's, yeah. there's 28. No, there's tw- yeah, 28 Days Later. 28, and 28, week, 28 weeks. Later. Yeah, well, there's, yeah. Anyway, you're so in the 20, right realm. So the first one, 28 Days Later, that one, that one you know, fast zombies and a completely destroyed society that's in chaos. Uh, that was, I just watched that kind of like, Oh God, you know, the whole, and then, and then for some reason, when 28 weeks later came out, I went to see that and like, you know, three minutes into the movie, it starts again. And that creepy, amazing music comes in and I'm like, why the, why the, why the hell am I doing this to myself again? <laughs> oh my God. And then it sort of turns sort of stupid after that a little bit, but yeah, but there's first some, sequence. There, oh God. there's something you're drawn to about that. Yeah. There's something I'm drawn to about those dystopian things. Like, like the sort of the movie, the road, but especially the book, the road. Oh God. Yeah. You, you know, anything like that, where it's sort of like a, a breakdown of civilization and, and like, I hope we're not heading there right now. <laughs> Cause that would be my living nightmare. And especially now that, especially now that I have kids, you know, like there's no way, there's no way that I would be able to survive and, and keep my kids alive. Yeah. I mean, at least the nice thing about if, if it is going that way with what we're dealing with right now, at least it's happening in slow motion. It's not like everyone turned into a zombie overnight and all of a sudden, <laughs> Yeah, we got so we got some time to prepare. Or it's, a, <laughs> it's a it's a slower burn. I now I can now make sourdough, Dave, so I can I can make bread for my family. <laughs> well, the sure. If you if you have heat and ingredients, I just when, need, I just need bread, yeast, and uh, water. I, I mean, that's better than most things I need to make. Yeah, but five months ago, you couldn't find yeast in the city. 
That's I have started. I, I have my own starter now. Oh, now you've got your own. Oh, you've got your, so yeah. I know where I'm going. If all hell breaks loose, I'm coming to your place. I can make bread for days. Great. <laughs> One loaf at a time though. So, you know, portions. Can you do gluten-free? Cause I can't eat. Gluten. Working on it. I'm working on it. Okay. It's tricky. It's tricky with sourdough. It's very different. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we know we have our, we have our apocalypse plans. I like it. Perfect. Well, thanks for joining me, bud. Uh, anytime, man. It's my pleasure. And great to catch up with you, too. Yeah, it's been too long. We'll do it again sometime, I'm sure. Hopefully at some point in person. But uh, if not... Maybe in the new year. We'll see. We'll see. Let's all go. Thanks for joining us for El Mariachi. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.